Now, as y'all can see, something's definitely a little different this morning. <laughs> y'all can all come sit down here. <laughs> something's a little different. John, our fearless leader, is in Israel. Yeah, isn't that cool? Uh, and so, I guess the, 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 the ball is rolled all the way to the bottom of the hill. And so here I am this morning. But uh, this is such an amazing blessing. And anybody who's ever, ever thought about even teaching a Sunday school class for kids or anything like that, uh, once, once John asked me to do this, I could absolutely not turn it down. Because I told myself a long time ago that I wanted to be ready to do God's work even if I wasn't really comfortable doing it. So... Like I was saying, even if you go back to teaching Sunday school classes, those of you that have done it, uh, there's something different that happens with your study. You know, if you're just studying for yourself, uh, you're, that's what you're doing, you're just studying for yourself. But if you're studying to present God's Word, uh, there's a reverence there, there's a respect for God's Word that, that you don't normally get. And uh, it can be intimidating sometimes, but I will tell you, I know for a fact that it is an amazing blessing that I even get to do this because it causes me to dig so deep into the Word and that's what God wants from us all anyway. So, before I keep going too much, I do want to say a couple things about last night we had the... Now it just got real loud again. Last night we had the bull bash at the J.S. Briggle Ad Center. Anybody go to that last night? Yeah, I, I would expect our whole church did because there was a ton of people there. I think that we said that they, that may have been our biggest crowd yet and we've been doing it for eight years, is that right? Eight years, the bull bash. Uh, Scott Mendez was the 1997 uh, world champion bull rider. He came and he brought God's word to that group of people. And, if, and y'all were there, y'all saw it, uh, and y'all heard it. And he brought God's word there before we ever got started with anything. And that's our main purpose behind, behind all of our events, all of our rodeo events, all of our kids' play days, things like that. Uh, it's, a, it's a reason for us to fellowship and to worship God and to proclaim Christ as the true Lord. Amen? So, uh, also, what, what Bob and the rest of the, the arena team want to do, is he wanted to thank all of those who came and helped at the Bull Bash. All of y'all that are out here, you know who you are. He just wanted to say an extra thank you for, for giving of your time, giving of your effort. Uh, if you're Brett, giving of your leg. Is Brett here? Somebody. <laughs> he he kind of got a little uh, bruised, bruised uh, leg, maybe bruised ego last night. Anyway, okay. So before I get started, I want to ask for a little bit of help, and I think we should all ask for some help as well. Father, as we get into your word this morning, Father, I pray that, that it is not me that these people hear today. Father, that it is just truly you and your word. Father, I ask that you would open our hearts and our minds, Father, so that we can truly experience what your will is in our life. Father, I pray that you would help us to leave all of the, Father, all the weight that we're carrying around each day, Father, I pray that you would help us to shed it for a few moments today as we focus on you and focus on your son Christ. And Father, focus on the healing grace and the amazing grace that is provided through Christ and only through Christ. So Father, I pray that you would open the hearts today of all those here and I pray that your presence is here. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Okay, so, give you all a quick rundown of, of how I came to this message today. 
Uh, anybody who knows me at all knows I've got about 14 to 15, 16,000 thoughts running through my head each day. And I've got all these different things that I would want to talk about and I feel that God was maybe talking, talking to me about. So I ended up wrangling in those 14, 15, 16,000 thoughts into my message today. And sometimes whenever I do something like this, it turns out to be more of a sermon to myself. And it's just something that's on my heart and it's almost just... I don't even need y'all here. It's just something that I needed to preach to myself sometimes. So hopefully my prayer is that some of you may be going through the same type of thing and uh, some of you may have the same mindset as I do sometimes and that's my prayer for this message. So, so I've got this horse and this horse is, he's a really pretty horse and or at least I think so. Most of my compliments are on how pretty he is and not really how good of a cow horse he is because I'm not really that good of a horse trainer. But, but he really is a, a very athletic horse. He, uh, he's got more speed sometimes than I really care to, to want. He's got all the athletic ability in the world and he's pretty to boot, but he can be a little cantankerous sometimes. Anybody that has horses probably knows the story. But I've, I've got this place that I lease, and I, I run cows on it, and one thing I can always depend on on this horse is if I'm out there gathering my cows or if I'm helping somebody else gather cows or something, there's always that one cow or one maverick bull or whatever it is that's always running. Why is that? Why is it always the one? Even in a good set of cows, there's always one that's throwing her head up, looking at you from across the pen all crazy-eyed. But if I'm out there in this place, in, in this place in Archer County, it is covered, I think John even mentioned how crazy this place is one, one day. It has more cactus, ridges, bluffs, rocks, gullies, holes. Give me some other scary things. It's got them all. And it's got a little bit of grass for the cows to eat. But it's got everything else in abundance. But this horse, I don't know if it's really the smartest thing that I do, but I know that He's so gifted and he's so sure-footed that I know that if I'm chasing whatever it is I'm chasing, I can look, throw my hands down, give him the reins, and he's going to go to the cow no matter what's in front of me. I just got it. My job is to hold on. So <laughs> he's a great asset in that, in that sense. But for all the good that Bucky is, <laughs> it sounds like I was trying to sell you all a horse, but I'm not. <laughs> For all the good Buckskin is, he has a problem. So I go out, and uh, anytime I need to catch him, David's going to get a kick out of this. Anytime I go catch this horse, we've got a love-hate relationship. Anybody with me on that? I go out, and I'll try to catch him. And I've had this horse since he was a colt, and he knows me. We know the routine, or at least he should know the routine. I walk out with a halter, and I say, here, horse, put it on. And he puts it on, and he follows me. <laughs> That's not what Buckskin does at all. I walk into the pen and he's, he's that cow I was talking about. He's on the back corner and he's pacing and he's bouncing off the side rails. And he's broke. I don't want any, any comments about my horse training abilities today. Because he went on the ride to us with Washington, D.C. And, and David rode him one day. And David hauled him up there for me, and David likes to kid because David goes out there and he's like, oh, let me get this feed for you. Come here, sugar. Come on over here. Now You can just come over here and be my buddy and bit in my hip pocket. And, and he's like that. He goes and he comes right up to David. He goes right up to my wife. 
But that's not part of the story. I just wanted y'all to get a sense of where I'm coming from with this horse. He infuriates me sometimes. But <laughs> the days when I really need him, like early in the mornings, so if I'm planning on leaving at whatever time, and, and usually a normal cowboy would get out there and catch his horse by 5 or 4 o'clock or whatever, I have to get up an extra hour just so I can run laps. Now, I'm editing this run laps for time because I'm trying to shorten this down because I could spend probably a good, good while talking about all our adventures, just me catching this horse. But as soon as I get on him, he's fine. As soon as I catch him, as soon as we kind of go back and forth a couple times, he submits, right? Anybody with horses knows what I'm talking about. Anybody with horses knows that there's, the horse has got it built into his brain where he's going to fight you, he's going to fight you until, and you're fighting him at the same time until you show him that there's an easier way. And then you reward him on that easy way, and the horse finds that out, and that's how a horse learns. So my thoughts about this kind of hard-headedness and about how whenever he finally submits and things are great, and the rest of the day, like I said, I can drop my reins, and I can, he can go to a cow, whatever he needs to do, but it's there at first is whenever he's hard-headed. So my thoughts lead me to a similar story about God's people. We're going to be in Deuteronomy Oh, look, you put a buckskin picture up there. We're going to be in Deuteronomy. Uh, I'm gonna, it's going to be kind of 10 and 11. I'm going to be kind of jumping back and forth if you all want to turn there. But in this section of Deuteronomy, Moses has been talking to the, uh, this is the, the generation of Israelites that, that didn't come out of Egypt. They were born out in the wilderness. And he's talking to this new generation about all of the trouble that their parents and every, everybody else that came out of Egypt, Egypt went through. How they were disobedient, how they were blessed when they were obedient. That's what this part of Deuteronomy is about, or this section of Deuteronomy. And what I wanted to focus on is some of the advice that Moses gave the Israelites. Uh, so, like I said, he recapped the disobedience. Uh, and one of the things that they did, if you remember this time, Moses is telling them about past events in this part of Deuteronomy, but he talks about how whenever he came down from Mount Sinai and he was bringing the Ten Commandments. And just before this, he had told them, do not make an uh, image. Or, or He gave them this list of rules of what are they doing. They're down there making a golden calf, all this other stuff. And so those are some of the things that he's just got finished talking about. And in Deuteronomy 9, 19, I don't know if he has this one. Hey, we do. Moses said, I feared the anger and wrath of the Lord. For he was angry enough with you to destroy you. But again, the Lord listened to me. Anyway, we are reading... So oh, that's not... Anyway. So, the Lord listened to him. What Moses did is he fasted for 40 days. He didn't eat anything. And he prayed to God. He said, please, do not destroy this people. They just don't know yet, right? But God had plans to. He was angry. And as we go on into Deuteronomy, I'm going to go on to... Uh, uh, chapter 10, verses tw verse 12. And uh, in all of these warnings that, that Moses was given the Israelites, my buckskin horse must have missed all these whenever he got his orientation because he didn't really heed the warnings either. But in uh, Deuteronomy 10, verse 12, he says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord. If those of you with, with pens or note takers, uh, under, underline fear or just put a little note beside it. 
Fear the Lord, who is your God. To walk in obedience with Him. To love Him. To serve the Lord, your God, with all of your heart and with all of your soul. And to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you for today, that I'm giving you today for your own good. So, what Moses is doing there, he's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to help you all out by getting some of this stuff right. And so what does he do first? He tells them, this is what God is expecting from the Israelites at the time. And I know we are not in the age of the Israelites, we're the Gentiles, but, but I think the advice still holds true. He says, number one, fear God. And that meant not to fear, most of you know the difference of, of fear that I'm talking about here, and the fear more like reverence is what Moses was talking about. Reverence of the Lord, who is your God. He's reiterating that this, man, or this, this God is, is the God. He is the God. So have respect, have reverence for Him. Walk in His ways, number two. Follow His ways, not the ways that society deems appropriate. That's not what he said. He said, walk in the ways of the Lord as long as it is popular. No, that's not what he said. He said, walk in the ways of the Lord. And how do we know the ways of the Lord? Anybody? It has it all right here. And number three, Moses said to love them, or to love him. Simply to love who God is. For us, that is also loving Christ and who Christ is and what Christ did for us. What he has provided us with. All the provision that we have. Look at this church that we have. Look at this town that we live in. You were blessed enough to, be, to live in a town where everything that we need is at our fingertips. I mean, to a certain degree. You know, we're not having to struggle with whether we have clean water or not most of the time. Things like that. So we have, we have so much provision that it's almost blinded us. At some, at some times to, in these days. Number four, serve him. Serve him with all of your heart and soul, meaning to put the leading of the Holy Spirit above any other thing that's pulling for your attention. And can we agree that there's a lot of things pulling for our attention every day? Is it always the Holy Spirit that we're listening to that's pulling our attention? No. I see new trucks drive down the road, and man, that pulls my attention about faster than anything else, because I would really like a new F-250. And that pulls my attention away. So, it says serve him. And what I, what I mean by uh, serving him, I don't always, I'm not meaning serve him on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights or serve him at a church function. What I'm meaning is every single day. Knowing who your Lord is. And doing everything that you do in service to Him. In Colossians 3.23 it says, Whatever you do, work with all of your heart as if working for the Lord, not for human masters. That's applying to, to Christian households or to maybe your job that you're working. Do everything you're doing as if working for the Lord. It says, Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, and it is the Lord Christ whom you are serving. Number five in my little list here that, that Moses gave us says, observe his commands. How will we know his commands if we don't speak with him through his word daily? 
These commands are from the Old Testament. We know that, and they don't necessarily all apply to us, all the different rules that, we're in, that are listed through Deuteronomy. Not all of those rules apply to us, but he is still advising us to meditate on his word, on his scripture. Now, whenever I say meditate, the Hebrew word for meditate actually or literally means to murmur or to mutter. So that would mean that the advice to the Israelites back then was to take the scriptures and to mutter them all throughout the day. So they're sitting there, they're hoeing the field or whatever they're doing, they're out there thinking about God's word and they're kind of muttering it. Can you all hear that? They're muttering it. They're, they're constantly dwelling on God's word, on what he's told them that morning whenever they're reading through it. They can't have it in front of them as they're doing their chores all day, but they can read a passage maybe in the morning as soon as you get up. And you can read just a short, short little passage and you can be thinking about that all day. That's what he's telling us to, whenever he says to, uh, to meditate on, the, on Scripture. Now, if you're more like me and my buckskin horse sometimes, this obedience part is where it kind of gets hard. Anybody with me on that? Being obedient, it kind of gets hard sometimes. Sometimes I still want to buck the bridle like buckskin does. And, uh, and do things my own way. Anybody with me on that? Sometimes we, we, we still have the desire to do that. And that's natural. We're still in these fleshly bodies. We will have those desires. But if we are in the Spirit, they do not control us. Everybody get me on that? So, we're going to go into Deuteronomy 11 now. Verses 18 through 25, if he has those. kind of thinking along the lines of obedience. Moses was giving them kind of some help on how to be obedient. It says, Fix these words of mine in your hearts and in your minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates so that your days and the days of your children May be many in the land of the Lord, swore to give your ancestors as many as the days that the heavens are above the earth. I think I missed a word in there somewhere, but we'll keep going. So, as you read that passage, keep in mind, they're about to enter the promised land. Moses, Moses, Moses gave them the brief history lesson about what they came from, mistakes made, things like that. And he gives them this advice saying, if you, if you wish to be obedient to your God, you will follow some of these tips that I'm giving you. And if you read, if you all want to do a little bit of homework, read 10 and 11 before this part. You, it kind of gives you a description of what the promised land is supposed to be like. An amazing land, just over, overwhelmed with resources and, and streams and water and green and everything great. And it kind of reminds me of what probably the first settlers of our country were looking at in the 1700s whenever they landed in, up in the northeast and they saw that beautiful country and just green trees, good grass, streams everywhere. They had to have been thinking along these same lines. And that's what Moses was doing. He was advising his people back then about how to, be, how to stay obedient to God's word. And I'm wondering... Could we have done a better job back then? I'm wondering if we could do a better job now doing that. But why does he ask us to fix these words in our heart and minds? So we don't forget them and so we can learn them? 
Does anybody, anybody in here speak another language? Spanish, Espanol? How do you learn? So has anybody, let's say, has anybody learned another language that you didn't grow up knowing? Nobody? We got one or two back here. Okay. How do you learn another language? I took two, three, whatever years in high school of Spanish. <laughs> okay. Who did that? Who took a couple years of another language in high school? Y'all also, y'all speak Spanish. <laughs> no. No, y'all, y'all took, what, four days a week and you're in there for an hour trying to learn it? And you're expected, to, you're expected to learn a language? No. How do we learn a language? Anybody? Day in and day out. To be fully immersed in that language. That's the only way you can learn that language. So, if we are not, everybody see where I'm going with this? If we are not fully immersed in God's word, how will we know if he's speaking to us? Because what I, what I pray for personally a lot is that God just help me, help, me, help me with an answer to this or help me find this out or lead me, Father, in whatever this decision that's coming up. It may be a crazy decision. It may be a, a decision that's going to change the landscape the rest of my life or it may just be scheduling or I, I don't know, something, something trivial. But I'm asking God to help me with this. And a lot of times I don't get answers. Does everybody get answers on all their prayers? No. And I'm wondering if it's because I'm not maybe speaking the same language. I'm not, my mind is not taking in enough of the scripture to truly see his answers. And I think that is the case because whenever I do focus and whenever I do put, put intense effort into trying to just let God speak to me through his word, sometimes he says something. And so what I'm asking us to do is, whenever we come across those decisions, don't just flippantly read through the Word. Ask God to speak to you through His Word. This is His Word. And if we're going to be speaking the same language as Him, we've got to be in it every day and immersed in it. Most of the time, instead of observing commands and handling things the way that God would have us to do, we kind of put it on ourselves. Am I right? Usually we're okay. I guess. But see, that's the danger with it. We get used to carrying on our own ways, and and all of a sudden, we kind of get stuck in a pickle, don't we? And we wonder how we got there. And then I kind of think back, and whenever it happens to me, I kind of think back, well, when did I really seek God's will for this? Or or how did I get to this point? Where Where did, what went wrong here? And what I want to, what I want to get across to you is, is in Isaiah 55, 8, I don't think he has this one, but he says, my th- God's thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are, my way, or neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. So whenever I think that I'm carrying on it and I'm making decisions right and I'm doing things on my own authority, they're not, God's, they're not always in line with God's will. Proverbs 14.12 says, There's a way that appears to be right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. So, whenever we take it on ourselves to be the author of how we live our lives and, and what we deem is right and wrong, there's a warning here in Proverbs that says that it could lead to death if we don't test that against the Scriptures. Okay, that was kind of getting off in another direction. Back into Deuteronomy. Let's see what kind of time I got. Oh, man, we're good. We're good. Good on time. 
Because I've got five more pages of this. No, I'm just kidding. Deuteronomy 10, 14, if we've got it. Oh, man, he pulled that up there fast. Okay. Deuteronomy 10, 14. To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. Yet the Lord set his affection on your ancestors and loved them, and he chose you, their descendants, above all the nations as it is today. So he says, circumcise your hearts, therefore, and do not be stiff-necked any longer. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords. Now, whenever I was, I don't know, I guess high school is whenever I was trying to be a big horse trainer. Had a couple of, had a couple of dinks that I was taking around the round pen. Uh, anybody who's got a younger horse of any kind or even an older horse, horses can be kind of stiff-necked sometimes, can't they? You're sitting there trying to pull around this way, and you're wearing your hands out, and you've got blisters because you're just sawing on this horse's head because he's stiff-necked. Going back to what we were talking about earlier, the horse is still not submitting to what your will is, is it? So what Moses is telling them is, it can't be necessarily a decision that you make that you're just going to say one day, I'm going to be obedient. I'm, gonna do, I'm just going to do this. Just because I can't. Moses kind of cuts to an issue and he says, circumcise your hearts. It's got to be a change of heart while you do this. So I think back to whenever I was or a little bit after I was first saved, and, and I thought, like, well, if I'm saved and I'm a Christian, you know, there's all these certain things that I can't do that I used to do all the time. And, and I, I think, like, well, you know, I can't go, I can't go hang out with these friends anymore because they're just bad influence. And there is, there is some truth to that. But I was worried about it. And what I didn't realize is that the Holy Spirit was helping me circumcise my own heart. I told God I was willing to be your servant, but I didn't know what that meant at the time. But what I see now and what I hope continues to, to happen to me is where I came from, where I am now, I see that there's these things that I was chasing after in life that weren't producing fruit that I didn't think I needed to give up or I didn't really even want to give up. But as I grew in Christ and I grew in the knowledge of his word, he circumcised my heart for me. Is everybody with me on that? He showed me that those things were no longer important. And he gave me a marriage and some children that were important. And it's a, the grace that he showed me, that he showed me what true love is through, through a spouse that is devoted to serving God also. And the kids that, this isn't in my notes, this is all free. It's about to make me start tearing up talking about my kids. But I'm not going to get into that. But what he did is he, he told them to circumcise their hearts. It can't happen with just us thinking ourselves, I'm going to be more obedient. I'm going to do this and this and this. And things are going to change. It's going to say, it, it, the difference takes place whenever we say, God, I can't do this. Help me do this. And you may not see it immediately, but it's Christ and the Holy Spirit that circumcises your hearts. So, earlier I was telling you about my buckskin horse. Now for Paul Harvey, the rest of the story. There are times, there are mornings whenever I go out there that I don't maybe, you know, do the little deal where I pour feet in the bucket and I go hide behind this section of the fence. Y'all are laughing because y'all have done this. And then he walks in and so you run over here real quick and you shut the gate. 
There are times where I don't do that the night before, and I have to go catch him in the morning, and he doesn't want to get caught. And so I just take my other horse. I don't use him. He does not help me that day. He does not accomplish any goals with me that day. So what I'm asking you is don't get left in the stall. Don't get left behind whenever God's, God is doing amazing things just in our church, in our community, in personal lives. He's doing amazing things and amazing works. But we've got to be willing to let him do it. Do y'all hear me? In John, two, in, in, in John chapter 2, John 2, John chapter 2, uh, there's a story about Jesus at the wedding. Right? Y'all are all familiar with that. He tells the servants to go fill these big jars to the brim full of water. And then when they were served to the guests, it's what? It turns into wine, right? Well, did the guests realize what miracle happened? No, the guests didn't realize. They were just like, oh, this is wine. Okay, great. The servants, the ones that were serving at that wedding, the ones that were in the grind, the nitty-gritty, getting their hands dirty, doing all this stuff, they saw the water go in, and they saw it get turned into wine. The ones that were serving were the ones that saw the blessing. So it's not all tied up to our obedience, per se. I think God will help us be obedient as we give more of ourselves into service of our Lord. And what I'm, what I'm asking you guys is to, like I said, not be the horse that gets left behind in the stall, to put yourself into something. As we move out of our comfort zones, God increases our faith by revealing maybe new potential, something you didn't know that you had. When it comes to doing something like this, standing in front of a stage, if you'd asked me even like a few weeks ago, I'd say, that's not for me, it's not my gift, I mean... It's just not for me. I don't mind getting up here and acting kind of like a goober sometimes and doing announcements. But as far as bringing the word, I felt that was way too serious for me. But, and I'm not saying that I've got the potential to do it. I'm just saying that God has put me in a position and it's been an amazing blessing for me. So as we move out of our comfort zones and we start realizing these new potentials and this new blessing that God has provided to us, we see that he can do, when his power is at work within us, he can do much more than what we used to do. He can do much more for a broken relationship whenever his power is in work. Has anybody ever seen a marriage that was on the rocks, about to be over, and one of the spouses or both of the spouses decided to humble themselves and, and just ask for help from the only one who can give the help? I hear all the time people, people that, are, that, that marriages are on the rocks and it's just, you know, there's no hope. Somebody did this and the other person did this and so there's just no hope. That's not the case. That is not the case for the God that I serve. I've seen them turn, flip those situations, those marriages around. There may be somebody in here today that's going through a similar issue where they're like, there's no more hope for my marriage, there's no more hope for this relationship, whatever the case may be. But what, I, but what I'm saying is with the Holy Spirit involved and with you humbling yourself to, to ask the Lord to take control of your situation, that's nothing 
to fix a marriage, that's nothing for God to do. So, in Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who are able to do immeasurably more than what we, than all we ask or imagine, according to his power, that is the work within us. So what am I, what am I saying today? I'm going to look at my time here. Oh, good. So what have I been talking about today? I've been talking about obedience. Luke's going to like this. This is my favorite verse. In 2 Timothy 1.7, if he wants to pull it up. I didn't give him this one. Oh, he did. For the Spirit of God, some of it says does not give us a spirit of fear, some versions. For the Spirit of God uh, gave us, for the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Amen? Amen? Some versions say the Spirit of God does not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So that's kind of why I got tripped up. But I think that's my favorite verse because it hits on three pretty key issues for me that, that, that always seem to be a source of my problem. Sometimes it's love. Sometimes I'm angry at somebody. Sometimes I'm having trouble forgiving somebody. And I read this and I says, I can't forgive them, but, the God, but God has given me the spirit of love. Sometimes I don't think that I have the ability to stand up here and do this or to do something else, or to face down three kids that are going into their teenage years. And, and uh, one that decides to get lost last night at the bull bash. And uh, sometimes I don't know if I can handle that. But then I look back at this and I say, but he has given me a spirit of power. And then what I'm talking about today obedience and trying to be obedient to the word of God he's also given us a spirit of self-discipline amen that's not something that we have to pull and we have to work to get he's given it to us if we are in Christ so the five things I mentioned earlier that Moses tells us in Deuteronomy 10 fear God walk in his ways love him and serve him and observe his commands Yes, these are all good, and they all help us to be obedient and to serve God in a better way that we can as Christians. But those alone, they don't really matter. If you're doing those things alone just for you, they're not going to matter. Is everybody with me on this? If you do not have a personal relationship with Christ, I'm talking about the Christ that that came down and lived a sinless life. And you know the story. He was put upon the cross. He bore the weight of all of our sins, all of the past sins, all of your sins, all of our future sins. He bore all of that on his shoulders and was completely crushed by it because of his love for us. If we do not have a personal relationship with that Christ, then all of this obedience is for naught. If you're just in this for you, then you will never know the true, the, the, the blessing, the genuine love that I said earlier, like a, a marriage that I felt is truly blessed and I see more and more each day that it's growing and I love my wife more and more each day and we're not stale or stagnant and I see things happening whenever I get into God's word, I can see him using that to change me, to be a better husband, to lift up my wife. And in turn, I see her 
just, it's, it's something palpable. It's something genuine and physical, and the glory is real. It's not just something I'm up here talking about. If you know, it's there. It's, it's something you can grab onto. That's what I'm talking about. The obedience helps us obtain that, but it's only, only through Christ will we truly feel it and understand it. I felt like I had to, 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 to get into that because before I was in Christ, I didn't realize it. I, there's no way that you can. It tells us in scriptures that those that are not in Christ, Christ are blind to this. It is something real, amen? amen? And if you're out there today and you don't know and you still think it's an idea of just the things you have to do, I'm telling you from my own personal account, I'd love to talk to you more about it. It's not. It is real. I can grab onto it sometimes. But here's the truth. There's nothing that I can say, nothing that our amazing pastor John can say to change your heart because in God's time, you will be called. If you haven't already, you will be called, and there's no doubt in my mind and there will be no doubt in your mind that you will know it. It may, be, it may be something that John says one Sunday, maybe something he said in the past, maybe something I'm saying, saying today. It may be a culmination of all of this years and years of heartache or trouble or arguments or strife in relationships that's just balling up and you feel like the snowball is coming down the mountain all the way and it's about to just wipe you out. And if God is truly speaking to you this morning... Your heart's beating out of your chest. Because I know it was in mine. Like a bass drum beating. And I couldn't sit still, I felt like. Thank you, Lord, for calling me that day. Amen? Can we say amen again for the Lord calling us out and making us children of God? So, you can go on with your own way of doing things. And you can probably feel fine for a time. But don't forget, that's part of Satan's plan, is to kind of let you kind of get by. Get by for a little time. Keep on going down the road and feeling okay about how everything is going in your life without having a relationship. That's his plan. He's going to make things comfortable for you to keep that decision of just no decision. So don't let your stubbornness and your stiff neck and your high-headed pride steal away the blessing that can be provided you from the Lord. For those of us that are in Christ, the Lord has many blessings in store for us. Not blessings of possessions or money or things like that. Or even love that you can experience here while on earth. But the love of serving in his ministry is a blessing in and of itself. By becoming obedient and submitting under the authority of our Lord, you will gain a closer relationship with him and experience him. Like I said, truly experience him. So, back to my story earlier. Don't be the horse that got left in the stall. Don't be the one that's pushing and pushing. God is sorting you off for something. If you're here this morning, your heart's beating out of your chest. He's been sorting you off for a long time, more than you know. And he's got something in store for you. Don't be the one that gets left back. For those that are out there that have been prideful or embarrassed, and you don't want others to see you be overly spiritual or you're not comfortable really with that, you can sit right where you are and you can do the same thing that we're about to do. But 
for those that are ready to put their agendas aside and to pray, if you feel the Holy Spirit has convicted your spirit today, and you think he's showing you that he has better plans for you than what your plans are, you may not even know what his plans are. That's the cool part about it. But if you realize today that, you're, that on your own you're destined to fall short of God's grace, because we all will, on our own, and you know that maybe you're a sinner, you can follow me in a simple prayer that I'm going to kind of close out with today. And my prayer is that you would truly call out to him, call out to our Lord and Savior. Join me in prayer. Father, I know that on my own, Father, I, I don't deserve heaven. Father, if I'm perfectly honest with myself, I've lied and I've cheated and I've allowed my mind to become a tool of the enemy and I've allowed my body to become a tool of the enemy. And I've put things in this world over you. And in doing so, I truly do deserve hell, Father, and I know that today. But Father, I don't want to be that person anymore. I believe that you sent your son, Jesus Christ. I believe that you sent him down to earth to be a perfect sacrifice for my sins and that he could wash all of them away. Father, I don't understand everything about you yet, but I'm praying now that you would step into my heart and step into my life and save me. I'm calling out to you this morning, Father. Help me to turn away from the old person that I was and to walk the rest of my time here on earth as a child of God and to see you in heaven someday. Amen. Amen.